Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name is Ben and today I'm sitting down with Reverend Robin King, who's the minister here at our Basha United Church and also the Pinocchio United Church. And if you haven't listened to this show before, we started doing a podcast a couple years ago and really the intention of this form of church and ministry is to explore life's deepest questions, to, to grapple with some of the complexities of being human and our spiritual journey. And so it's not really a place for answers as much as it is a place to just explore questions that really matter together. And so we have a lot of great guests on the show. And uh, once a week or so, Robin uh, often comes in and has a cup of coffee with me. And we, we chat about either something that he's been thinking about talking about in church coming up soon or something that he's recently talked about in his message. Last week, we had a great conversation that sort of led us into the season of Lent. And now that we're, we're in this season of Lent, uh, we thought it would be fitting this morning to talk about um, wilderness experiences and our connection with God in the wilderness. So Robin, thanks for joining me again today and uh, having a cup of coffee with me, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Hey, Ben. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, the, uh, the wilderness, of course, it's Lent, right? So the wilderness, that's the wilderness thing. But, you, you know, every so often, um, I do like the lectionary. I love the lectionary very much. Uh, it's the thing that tells us what to read. Um, it tells us what to read. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's a kind of a guide, but, but right? It, the, well, the thing is, no, it does tell us what to read. But the point of the lectionary is that it's one of the things that we hope, at least I. this is how I see the lectionary, we hope it's a way to connect everyone. Um, the idea then is that everyone is reading and, and questioning and exploring the same scripture passages uh, right. each week, right? Which is, which is a great thing. And so it's one of those moments where you kind of go, hey, here's a moment where um, it's not really so much telling people what to do because not everyone's required to use it. Um, it's offered as a means for everyone to connect, right? Right. Um, There's su- kind of suggested readings of scripture yeah, readings. Yeah. So, um, and they relate to what's going on in the in the church calendar year. Like, right. For people that maybe don't know, the, the church, the United Church sort of has its own well, it's more the... the all well, we all do, right? We, yeah, not we, just United, but yeah. there's, there's a, sort a of a Christian very, yeah, calendar. Yeah, very broadly, there's a, there's a Christian calendar that, that people follow. You know, Christmas is followed... Uh, Advent comes before Christmas. Christmas is followed by Epiphany, Lent, um, Holy Week and Easter, and then uh, season, of, uh, season of Easter, and, and then Pentecost or the Season of Ordinary Time or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then there's various other... Depending on your denomination, we add in different things and bits and pieces and stuff. Got it. Um, and uh, but but the idea around the lectionary is that everyone uh, would be exploring the same passage of scripture on a, on the, on the day, which I think is a really awesome idea. Um, uh, again, though, I'd say. It, it, as long as you don't treat it as something that you're ordered to do, um, because then you don't really have the opportunity to depart from it. Right. The other reason I like it is because uh, it does, uh, it does, uh, in some ways, make you look at things that you might not want to look at necessarily. Um, but then there's every so often it's I think it's okay to uh, or a good idea even to go off it and explore some things that might be relevant and meaningful and so, so kind of off into the wilderness in, as, it were. as it were um, and and so this year uh, for Lent I thought it would be uh, interesting to explore the whole wilderness thing um, but not just from the point of view of um, as we talked about last week I I I like. 
I like to see that very briefly, see the story of Jesus in the wilderness as Jesus goes in the, basically goes in the wilderness to find himself before he goes into ministry um, and figure out uh, how he's going to uh, be in ministry. And one of the most important things to remember in that story is that he doesn't go into the wilderness alone. He goes with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is, is there and is part of that whole experience. Um, and then uh, Jesus goes out and shares his ministry with others. And, and, and th that's great, except that's not how people always experience the wilderness. Um, sometimes people and their understanding of the wilderness is, um, you were forced there <laughs> or you had uh, very negative experiences that, ha that caused you to feel like you're alone. Um, or, um, uh, you, you intentionally go to the wilderness to find things and you don't find exactly what you thought you were looking for. There's all sorts of different ways to, uh, look at that, that wilderness experience. And so hopefully over the next few weeks, we're going to explore some of those. And uh, I thought an interesting way to do that would be to explore them with uh, biblical characters that have wilderness experiences. Mm. Um, and, and not necessarily the ones you expect. Okay. Right? So, so clearly, Jesus, obviously. Um, but also then, of course, you'd immediately go, well, of course, the Hebrew people themselves, right? 40 years in, right. in the desert. Um, yeah. And um, perhaps even, you know, Moses, Elijah actually has a wilderness experience as well. Um, but I, I didn't want to just go with the ones where, okay, yeah, the story is, this is where you go to learn things and you come out of it in a positive way. So like um, the obvious ones. Yeah, know. that's 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 because like that's, the Jonah and the whale. We're telling that's well, sure. Except okay, so I went I went with uh, okay, I went with Noah as uh -huh. far as fish are concerned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, water. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah, 40, 40 days right in, on the ark um, mm -hmm. as a, as as a wilderness experience. Um, and I also I also uh, next week this Sunday we're going to talk about Adam and Eve, and. Um, the, the thing about that story, and, and I, I, again, it's one of those things where uh, this is why I like uh, what I liked about your intro about exploring stuff and asking questions is um, we, we have some of our foundational stories. We have learned the story a certain way for a couple of thousand years, um, and that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we learned was a story. And I've challenged this before um, because I tell this story differently. Um, but we learned a story where um, Adam and Eve uh, sin and are cast out from the beautiful Garden of Eden, yeah. um, the Garden of Delight, um, into the cold, dark wilderness of the world. Yeah. They are cast out. And, and I, just as I'm saying that, I'm thinking um, in Thor, the movie Thor, right? Where where Odin casts casts Thor out, takes his hammer and uh, and casts yeah. him out, casts him out into the world where it's cold <laughs> and dark in the wilderness, and he lands in the desert, right? And I was just sitting, I was just uh, Anthony Hopkins saying, "I cast you out," and I just I like we that's how we tell the story. It totally is. We tell that's how we tell the story, and and I just you know that gives us an opportunity, of course, to also not only not only are we then picturing the beautiful and wondrous Garden of Eden and the cold. Um, barren wasteland, which is the world, um, but we're also picturing God as angry <laughs> and um, at, at best a disciplinarian yeah. who who's going to darn well teach us something. Um, and so 
like since we first heard that story, I just think, okay, so that for me does two really important things that I do not care for. One is um, it reminds us that the Garden of Eden is a beautiful and wondrous place and we're stuck in this hellhole, which is earth. <laughs> and then we go on to talk about how God created everything and isn't the world wonderful. Um, and but But how are we supposed to connect with it if... One of our root stories says we're cast out from the beautiful garden into this hideous thing called earth, the world, right? The earth. Yeah, it doesn't really and add secondly, up. And secondly, we, we, in fact, the United Church Creed uh, itself includes a line which I love and I repeat frequently, which is, uh, God is with us, we are not alone. And we rem try to remind people, especially when they're feeling most like, I don't know, they're in the wilderness of grief or doubt that God is with them. We are not alone. Yeah. But one of our root stories creates the image of disconnect with a God who is angry with us because we sinned and cast us out. Yeah, it really does. So what, what, what if instead of telling a story where we're cast out from the beauty, beauteous garden into the barren wasteland, which is the, the world, what if we told a story about how we were in in this garden of blissful ignorance um, in which we acquired free will and knowledge and then with with God and the Spirit, just like in the story of Jesus in the wilderness, with the Spirit, we step boldly out into this wonder which is the world mm. with the ability to to uh, to create and to learn and to build and to grow and to do things to be uh, to to see opportunity as well as challenge as well as uh, grief as well as all of those negative things or things that we might we might consider negative um, but but again we go n with God's blessing and with the spirit not cast out on our own yeah. on our own it's no wonder people feel so. It's, it's someone. I was going to say it's no wonder people feel alone, but I don't mean that. What I mean is, it's no wonder that when people feel alone and you try to say God is with you, it's no wonder people say where exactly, how exactly, yeah. and then you try and say in the kind of yeah, sure, sure it doesn't feel like it. Sure, it doesn't yeah. feel like that. Or you try and say, well, God is in, God is, and we talk about how God is in creation. God is in the world. God is in each of us, right? Um, that we're created in the image of God. Um, all of that Godness is around us, but one of our root stories disconnects us from it right from the get-go. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, maybe the that traditional way of looking at that story, Robin, um, kind of resolves itself by um, by giving you this conclusion of yeah the, the world is messy and painful and and harsh but we are not of the world we are of, of heaven and so we just have to keep our eye on the prize and and then and you know be be focused on that eternal salvation and and being reconnected with God once we're in heaven but I, I think what that that narrative runs the risk of allowing people to um, to lose sight of all of the connection opportunities we have with with God in the day to day, mm -hmm. and I know it's not meant to. Like they, they yeah, I've never heard anyone say like, "Well, you know, don't don't worry about 
connecting with God in in the wilderness of the earth, um, worry about you know only only think about the afterlife, but I I think that inadvertently there's a little bit of that lost connection if you're if you're you're hyper focused on what's next versus right now. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I also think I, th- I also think and and uh, um, I also think that uh, organized religion, institutional religion, needs to take some responsibility um, for for that um, because there's certainly. I mean, I know we always. Of course, particularly if you're progressive or left-wing or even a little bit more centrist, we always like to blame the right-wing fundamentalist evangelicals, you know, the fire and brimstone guys who tell you you're going to hell, but wait, I can save you, so you better do what I tell you, right? Because it's, it's a control mechanism. I know we always, that's our go-to, right? But you know what? Um, it's not just them. Uh, honestly, if we're telling a story... Um, that essentially tells you you're disconnected from God, but I can find I can help you find a way back. Yeah, we're we're all doing it. We're we're all and and that's why that's why um, I think with last last week maybe um, I talked a little bit about how I like to see Jesus the Jesus figure as more a mentor than 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 anything else because it allows me to be an apprentice right it allows mm-hmm. me to see that there's a relationship there that's about me learning to use the the, the abilities and the tools and the things that I have to be essentially more of me rather than simply be what someone else tells me to be or to meet some unrealistic expectations of holiness or, you know, or divinity. Yeah. Um, but, but I like that, but I, I, uh, I, I, I think, uh, and, and I, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm as guilty of this as anybody else, but, but what, what we need to be doing is, is essentially, uh, mentoring people into being more themselves um, uh, it, with the ideal that what that is is love and grace and that you know if we use the image if we use the language and I'm, I'm going to use the language I know right the language of we're created in the image of God um, we talk about the divinity of Jesus but wait also the humanity of Jesus and those two things together become a reminder that that's what we are too, right? We are, if we talk about how we're created in the image of God and that God is in all creation, well, then God is in us too. So essentially the thing about Jesus is about showing us to, to regain, helping us to regain that uh, connection with God that was somehow taken away when we were (laughs) cast out Right. Yeah. I mean, even it, it, just using the language, right, disconnects us from that. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, you know, I, I, I rather than seeing uh, on dangerous ground here, I know, but I'm rather than seeing Jesus as atonement for for something, you know, the the remedy for original sin, um, I I see Jesus more as um, the 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 way in which we are reconnected the, the with god the way the way in which we 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 see this not not just an example not just a teacher not just a friend not just a companion but someone a figure mentoring us back into our relationship with god by uh by mentoring us to be what we're supposed to be Le- leading each of us back to wholeness yeah not wholeness. not from a yeah. and not from a place of um 
you know, you, you're broken and I'm going to fix you, which is so right. human of us to, f- um, like we do that to each other all the time. Right. That's one of my biggest struggles in inter like close relationships is to, to view the people I care the most about as needing fixing. Right. I, I, I think I'm a, like, I'm a people pleaser. I'm a kind of a fixer of situations, always wanting to kind of smooth things over. And so when someone is experiencing some struggle or something, my, uh, my natural response is to like, Oh, well, well, here's a solution. Here's a solution. Right. Well, of course that's our natural response because we want them to be better. We, uh, we want, we want, we want them to be happy. We want them to be right. We are in it. The, the root of that is love. It loving is. them. It's, it, the intention is great. It's but just the, that. <laughs> but the delivery sometimes is, okay, I don't need solutions. I don't need to be fixed. I'm not a problem. I just fix. need to journey through it. I want someone to just hear me, to yeah, see me, to be with exactly. me. And I think that's what Jesus is, is that is that um, that companion that says, tell me your story. Right. I, I want okay. to just be here with you, not to fix you. Right. But through that and through that connection, you find wholeness. But look at how we tell the stories, though. Um, and that's the thing about, like, I, I always get in trouble with miracle stories because I, I talk about them and then invariably at least one person says, I tried to explain away the miracle. And and right. my thinking, my personally, my thinking, and I'm sorry if it sounds like that, but my the way I'm thinking about it is I see the miracle and I see that it's a real miracle. It's not something that's unattainable. It's, it's a real, um, the story of feeding the 5,000, right? Okay, so... Did Jesus fix the moment or did he have conversation with people? Did he, he, he set an example by sharing what little he had in a way that inspired others to share what little they had and eventually everyone was sharing? That's a miracle right there to me. Yeah. Like that's not explaining away the miracle. That's a miracle. Um, what about the healing miracles where Jesus heals people who are broken? So the way the story is told is literally it's like the guys honestly on TV who smack you on the forehead, go be healed, you fall over and you're healed. It, it, Except, of course, you're not. But, but, but th- th- we tell the story like that. Jesus fixes them. Yeah, yeah. And we leave out the part that I imagine happened, which was Jesus sat down with them and said, tell me your story. Let's talk. Let's, let's have some conversation. Let me help you journey through this. And so that story that's like five lines um, or a couple of verses in the Bible um, probably took hours. Or days. If not days. Yeah. Right? Um, and... and and not only that, it then becomes, it goes from being something that we cannot do, something that's unattainable for us. That's what a miracle is. It's unexplainable. It's unattainable. It's just, it just happens. You can't do anything about it. You can't make it happen. And it becomes something that, yes, we can mm. actually make happen. And it's still nonetheless miraculous. So do you think that there is an intentional... Um there is an intention of like, well, we have to keep this as a miracle. Just like I think recently last week you were talking about how we often place Jesus on this, this pedestal of, of holiness unattainable where it separates us yeah. from him and that miracles kind of miracle stories or miracle yeah. narratives do that too, where it's, well, it's impossible. Yeah. It's to me, it's not about explaining it. It's about it's about engaging and embracing it in a way that makes it real, and um, and uh, bear in mind, okay, um, again, standing on 
shaky ground here uh, for for lots of people. Um, is is the Bible historical or is it myth? And the moment you use the M word, of course, um, <laughs> it makes people nervous because you're implying that it's not real. I am in no way implying that it's not real. Uh, it's very definitely real and it's very definitely true. The question is whether or not it factually happened that way. And I don't need it to have happened factually that way, which is also one of the reasons, by the way, why I feel, feel relatively free to look at the story and go, I think it went like this. And I wish more people would. <laughs> Yeah, frankly, um, and there's lots of people that do, but I wish there were more people uh, that did because uh, then we go from this book that somebody holds up at the front of the room to a story that's yours and mine. And it's alive. It's alive, and it's it's part of who we are. Um, and 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 see, I think that that goes right again. Goes right back to Genesis and the the uh, creation story. Um, the, the creation story goes like this, right? God creates, simply creates, but then creates human beings by creating not just with the divine power of creation, but of the earth, right? So God creates all the stuff, then uses the stuff to create human uh, beings. Yeah. Right? That's what Adam means, uh, uh, loosely of the earth or some variation of that, yeah, right? Yeah. But but it, the point is that the name is about connection to the earth. Mm -hmm. And we tell a story about Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, they're, even, they're, they're, they're even so connected to the earth that they're naked, right? They don't need clothes. Yeah. They're so connected to the earth that they, they wander wherever they want. And in fact, the image, the image that we tell the story with is God walks in the garden with them. That's how connected they are. Then they do something. They do something wrong. It's a bad thing. It's a sin. And boom, they're out. And by the way, so are snakes. They're violent <laughs> evil. Well, that part I get. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but but still, they are cast out. Yeah. Right? And we even have a part of the story where it says... Um, uh, that that women will will suffer in in birth in childbirth yeah. and 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 that that the man because you know we got it's a sexist story anyway um, will have to till the earth for for food and and yeah. essentially the earth the the world in which man man and woman will be living in um, is an adversary they'll have to labor so to... you're disconnected from yeah. God you're cast out mm -hmm. you're disconnected from God. You're no longer walking with God. You are cast out and you are cast out into a place where um, everything is your adversary. And you're bad. And you're bad. On top of everything else, it happened because you're bad. You did something wrong. And I think we're inherently good. We have to be because we're created in the image of God. You can't start with the created in the image of God thing and then go, but you're not. You are. Right. And we're, so we're inherently good. Then I start to wonder about, okay, so we're, and this is why I, I kind of, I tell that story differently. Right. I, I rewrote it as a, like a children's story where uh, Adam and Eve um, basically life's great and everything, but it's boring as heck. They're not learning anything. In fact, God's even bored. And so God sets it up so that they'll acquire free will. Cause you can't, you can't give people that. They have to take it. Yeah. And, and exercise it. And they do that by acquiring knowledge. Mm. And then they boldly go out into the world 
with the power of the spirit, just like Jesus in the wilderness and, and start to build and create. And yes, because they have the power of choice. Now things don't go very well. Um, always they make mistakes. hardly at all. And in fact, the very first story that we have after, uh, um, them leaving the garden of Eden is Cain and Abel, right? So, yeah. um, it's it's right uh, into conflict. Yeah, right into conflict and right into envy and jealousy and death and all of that good stuff um, that makes for great stories. <laughs> but again, um, the, that whole narrative seems to and, and, and I mean I could we could we could wonder we could waste time wondering about whether or not it's a conspiracy that that was intentional or. Um, that it wasn't intentional; it was simply a way of trying to understand it. Um, but but either way, it doesn't really matter. The fact is, we've told a story, uh, a, a foundational narrative, um, that in in some ways disconnects us from the God we want to be with, and puts puts us in in a in a place where um, we we see everything as. Uh, an adversary to be subdued, mm. right? And uh, in fact, um, I, I I wonder if the real wilderness wasn't the garden itself, right? Because that's where uh, everything was like blissfully ignorant. It was all good. It was all so good. It was all so good that it was just so something needed to happen. Yeah. Well, you know? it's, it's like... Um... But it was also the place where they initially acquired the knowledge and the free will in order to step out of the wilderness and into the real world and do stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you, as a, as a parent, I think about the stage of childhood that my kids are at a lot with any of these conversations. I always am bringing it back to my own personal experience, my experience as a dad. And I think, you know, as you watch your kids growing and learning and their minds expanding um, and their sense of, the world around them getting bigger and bigger, you obviously they're going to fall and, and get hurt and trip along the way and make mistakes and inadvertently hurt others. And, and all of that is so necessary. Like I just can't imagine their lives just as this flat line. Everything is just perfect all the time. There's never any ups and downs. You know, like like someone who's just drugged and medicated, and they and they never have emotional ups or downs. They're just like how how is that um, this idyllic perfect creation? That's that sounds like that sounds hellish. Yes, and, and we've even talked about this in re, in regards to the question I, of I'm, are you what implying is, that the Garden of Eden was actually hell? Well, I'm I'm not explicitly saying that and going that far, but you know we. We have talked before in other episodes about how this idea of just a perfect heaven, um, you know, imagine yourself being at the, the most amazing party, but now you're not allowed to leave for trillions of years. All of a sudden that would feel like hell. And that's a totally separate conversation that we'll probably get into on another episode soon. I know we talked about maybe doing one where we talk about about heaven and and the different ideas that we have about that. But bringing it back to the creation story, um, I never would have thought about the Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden story as a wilderness story, but it totally makes sense. And I love the way that you've painted this picture of it, um, uh, asking those questions of, you know, 
uh, is the, w- the way we've always traditionally told the story versus your idea. And it's, it turns the whole thing upside down on its head. But it, I think that's kind of the point. And it yeah. really gets people thinking. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's, I find just, sorry, I was, I was totally sort of being flippant when I said, are you saying the Garden of Eden is hell? Um, because it's not, obviously, because, um, it, well, I guess it depends on how you see that. But um, I see, I, I always try to understand hell, hell as being, uh, I like the idea that hell is as far from God as you could possibly be. I know we have various ways mm. of understanding and seeing it, and it's you know it's a place of punishment, it's a place of what, and, and I don't think so. I think it's 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 when you behave uh, in a manner or or live in a manner or um, things happen in a way that that you feel like you are as distant from God as you could possibly be. Um, I'm I'm trying to come up with different ways to describe that simply because again it's kind of like the wilderness thing. You can go there intentionally. It can happen to you. <laughs> And it can happen around you, right? Yeah. It's it's a similar, similar kind of thing. But it but the thing about the garden story is that we were with God. We were with God. We were the the way that story appears. We walked in the garden with God. All the garden was beautiful and was everything we could possibly want, everything we could possibly need, um, and we were connected to it. Um, I, I love. Um, oh, his name's gone out of my head now, but he he wrote. Um, uh, a collection of stories called "Does God Have a Big Toe?" Um, his, <laughs> I, I wish I could remember his name because his stories are awesome. Um, and uh, he tells a story about the naming of the animals and um, and how the uh, um, the human beings are they're they're lying on this big hairy furry thing that it turns out to be a bear, right? But but they're <laughs> they're friends with all the animals and they know all the animals. And the end of the story is something along the lines of, um, "Why don't you ask them what they want to be called?" Um, huh. The whole thing about the story, though, is that it's about the connectedness of things, right? So even in the garden, you can imagine that not only are we connected to the earth and the the, the trees and the plants and everything, but we we know the animals by name. We can we can communicate with the animals. We can we're connected. We're intrinsically connected to everything. We knew our place in the web of of life right. and nature. Right. Um, and then something happens. And um, there's, there's two ways we could look at that. One is it's a tremendous sin that disconnects us from everything. Or we acquired uh, knowledge and free will, free will and knowledge in that order, right? We, we acquired the ability to choose because we did, um, yeah. from which we acquired knowledge. Um, and either we see that again and the whole story of being cast out as we're now disconnected. And it's about, um, it's, it's, even if we see it as trying to find our way back to that connection, like our relationship with God is about trying to find our way back to that connectedness, that wholeness, um, we're still approaching it from the point of view of we are completely broken from it. We were cast out from it because we did something bad. Mm. Um, what if what if we did something good that might potentially enhance our ability to connect with the earth and with the world? What if we looked at it that way? I realize that's really hard to do now, several thousand years later, <laughs> to suddenly shift our whole way of looking at that. Um, but but maybe it's another avenue to finding a way back to the wholeness that uh, is being with God and back to the garden. Yeah. 
And then if we could achieve that, maybe the entire planet is the garden. Yeah. I mean, we, we that's just kind of how it ties into the wilderness thing for me, I guess, is that um, however you find yourself in the wilderness, you hope to come out of the wilderness eventually. You don't stay there forever. Right. But you hope to come out of the wilderness eventually. And you hope to come out of the wilderness um, with... Uh, um, some having learned something, um, having uh, knowing something, um, being not not even just being not being refreshed necessarily, but but more aware, um, more connected, more something having like grown you, or having healed. grown. It, even if yeah, even if it's healing from, even if it's about grief, finding a way to to be with grief and 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 heal. You've you've grown, right? You've yeah. you've something has come from that. So, to me, this really brings up the question, Robin, of what wilderness is in terms of, like we th- we think of wilderness as you know we're we're here in central Alberta, and I I think about the mountains, like the Rocky Mountains, and going out into the bush where there's grizzly bears and all kinds of dangerous things and and avalanche dangers and and bad stuff that can happen and all these elements that are outside of our control and and we're in the wilderness. We're we're off the beaten path. But there's this kind of fine line between, you know, you can go out to Banff and go for a beautiful hike and are you in the wilderness or are you just out in nature, enjoying nature? So is the distinction of wilderness something that isn't, you know, uh, uh, something that man has, hum- humankind has altered and we've tamed it and we've we've built our our you know we've urbanized so it's it's the distinction of it's untouched it's it's uh pristine wilderness or is the the wild does that imply um that we are out of our element of control or do you know what i mean like is it is it about nature or is it about control and and that wildness being like not tamed or not controlled. Um, okay. So I guess my response to that would be to say, you're uh, looking at wilderness as if it's something out there, as if it's the, it, it's nothing to do with you. It's out there. External environment. Uh, it's, it, you're looking at environment. You're looking at geography. Um, and and I, I realize that just as I say the word geography, I, I had a study last year called the geography of land. Um, but the thing is, again, you're looking at physical things and everything out there. And I, I think wilderness starts with being alone. Um, uh, let me say that differently. I wonder if there's a distinction between alone and solitude. Anyway, um, I'm just wondering out loud now. Um, mm. But I think it has less to do with physical environment. Jesus goes into the desert, um, which, of course, had snakes and other things, creatures, and it was hot, it was um, uh, dirty and dusty and barren, and there was no food, and there was, there was all that physical stuff, yes, but, but he went alone with the Spirit, Right, and so I wonder if the whole thing around wilderness has less to do with because because this the story of Jesus going to the wilderness, Jesus goes into the desert. If Jesus lived in central Alberta, he'd have to get on a plane and fly somewhere to go to a desert. Well, actually, no, he could go to around Drumheller and stuff. But but the the, the point is, you find wilderness where it is. 
Yeah. Right? You don't, it's, it's not a specific kind of geography. It's, it's the, um, uh, in some ways it's the, the absence of other people or it's the absence of distraction. It's the, the, it's the place that allows you to focus, I think. And the thing about that is, I, as I say that, um, sure, it's the thing that allows you to focus on yourself and to ponder the meaning of life, the universe, and everything, and all that stuff. But it's also um, the place where you might find yourself, unfortunately, focused on grief or doubt um, or any number of things. Um, the question then becomes, what do you do with it? It's uncomfortable to be in the wilderness, yeah. I think, because it's not where we spend our time. Like, we we yeah. spend our time either, like you said, surrounded by constant distraction in relationship with others where we're surrounded by others and bumping into to people. And so those elements of wilderness, I think, are are critical, like that, that you're removing some of that uh, distraction, you're removing some of those connections and um, exposure to, to all these other people, and uh, achieving some form of, of solitude. And, and I, yeah, I, I don't mean to uh, suggest that it's about literal geography or literal, like your environmental surroundings, but I do find it interesting that... Um, that we have this weird relationship with the natural world, with the planet around us, with this giant garden of Eden around us, that we, I mean, it is a, a story that's thousands of years old, but we, we treat it as something to dominate and control and have dominion over. Mm-hmm. And in the little pockets of places where we don't have that, we call that wilderness. But you can be hiking in the mountains and having a great time in nature, and the second you sprain your ankle and it's getting dark, you're in the wilderness. Mm. You know what I mean? Or, uh, and mm-hmm. and I, I think that's just I mean that metaphorically that, um, uh, you know, we can, we always all of us will find ourselves at unexpected moments in life, in a in a situation where we completely lack control and lack the the means and tools to to deal with what we're what the, what the circumstances are that we're in um i kind of wonder too if one you know one way of looking at this uh this story of coming out of the garden uh is that hundreds of thousands of years ago Millions of years ago, our our ancient ancient ancestors, unless you are again talking about, we were talking earlier about uh, whether the Bible is something to take literally or not. If you're a creationist that thinks poof, there's human beings straight from clay to Adam and Eve, that's one thing. If like me, if you believe that we did evolve from other species over the course of millions of years, then to me, looking back, way 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 back before we had these giant prefrontal cortexes and the ability to think about our own existence, we were simple mammals. We were, you know, Homo erectus or Australopithecus or whatever the names of the, the previous species were before we became Homo sapiens, that we, we evolved from these ancient ancestors that just lived in perfect harmony with nature. They were, you know, no different than the other... Um, primates that are, that we still have on the planet today that they're not torturing themselves about um ethics and morality and 
these you know great questions about their about their eternal existence and things like that that we are but we eventually evolved to the point where we had free will we had the the then that knowledge that you're talking about to and and to grapple with the with that new knowledge meant asking ourselves all these new and and really challenging questions and then as we became more kind of civilized the world around us, the natural world around us, be, did become something that we would um, kind of be in confrontation with, that we would have to till the soil and that we would have to suffer and we would have to labor for our uh, survival and safety in a, in a different way than, you know, than, than other creatures mm. of the natural world would. Well, I don't know. That, that, yeah. And so, I don't know, that's just an idea that kind of started popping into my head as you were talking about Adam and Eve existing in the garden versus the, the, their experience in the wilderness outside of the garden. Mm. It, uh, yeah, well, it's, yeah, I think the awareness thing actually really speaks to the wilderness thing as well, right? Um, that uh, we are, we are, uh, we are aware Right in a way that that uh, plants and other animals maybe aren't, um, or or are they? We don't know. <laughs> we don't communicate with them anymore, right? I mean, that's one of the interesting one of the fa- one of the interesting things about um, like people who tell uh, who write um, fantasy stories, right? Uh, I mean, f- fantasy in the literature sense, right? Where it's it's you know there's fairies and elves mm. and no uh, trees and, that yeah. talk. Yeah. Right. And walk. Right. Like in Lord of the Rings, the ants. Right. Yeah. Um, and and see, you, you kind of go, wow, what an incredible imagination. Trees that that talk and walk and look at the way they like they're slow, but they they're and they're they're thoughtful and wise and they're kind of. And how did he ever come up with that? Well, actually, <laughs> I I think it it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to come up with that. What it takes is connectedness. He simply thought, what if we could communicate? And then mm. made the trees communicate like us, rather than us communicate like the trees. Right? Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think the same is true with things like communicate. fairies and, and elves and all that kind of thing. Is that we 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 write stories about them like they're they're of the earth and we are not. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're we, connected we have, to nature. We are not. We still, for how intelligent we think we are and how advanced our species is, we still have no idea how so much of the world works in terms of just the the, wil- the wilderness of wildlife and the creatures that w- will somehow know how to migrate thousands of miles uh, right back to the exact place where, you know, previous generations had left from and or um, how different animals will know that uh, the weather's about to change or like just the intelligence that's in nature and how nature communicates with itself, with, with other species, how uh, whales can talk to each other across miles and miles. We, we're still scratching our heads just trying to well, figure yeah. any of that out. Yes. In fact, like, I, I mean, I, I realize that this is abundantly obvious and everything, but the world word wilderness has wild in it, right? And, and so wilderness is really just a place that we haven't tamed yet. Um, we That's kind of what we I was getting. Exerted at. control yeah. over it, yet. right? Of course, of course. Um, and and sure, ex- except again, um, when our thinking goes that way, our thinking goes to uh, the the idea of control over geography, 
the control over the world out there, right? And which is kind of part of the story of we're cast out in the face of this adversary, which is the world, and we have to tame it. We have to control it. Um, and if we treat it maybe a little bit more like the garden and a little bit less like the wilderness that we have to tame and control, um, that might make a difference for starters. But, but also, um, it again, for, for me, wilderness is less about the physical geography and more about um, the presence of either things that distract or, or, or attract our attention um, or people especially, but, but things that, uh, things that draw us away from the ability to focus on a specific thing or things. Right. Um, and, and so the wilderness is the absence of those things, which is why people who are feeling, um, particularly people who are grieving, um, even when they're surrounded by people, they can still feel alone. Right. It's, is because, that they've they've have a, a sense of uh, like hyper focus on a particular thing that draws them away from all other things, and when that thing is something that takes from you, like grief, um, then it's it's that's disconnected you, right? And you'd feel like you, uh, I mean, uh, you typically feel a lack of control over that, and so yeah. that and, and it's that internal wilderness. Yeah. We we start. I shouldn't. I don't want to talk about that too much actually, because I'm going to have to talk about that later eventually. Um, but where we started from was the idea of the story of Jesus going into the wilderness with the Holy Spirit to um, to essentially to find himself and figure out how he's going to do his ministry. And my point with that was because Jesus realizes he goes with the Spirit. All of the temptations, which are about exerting power over things, he refuses with trust in God, in the Spirit, in the in God, and and then goes into his ministry, which is all about sharing love and power. It's not about exerting it over people. It's not about fixing people. It's not about um, uh, it, it's it's not about having power over people. It's about having power, sharing power with people. It's about equity, right? Um, it's all about that, and. Then here's here's Adam and Eve um, from what I think is a wilderness of blissful ignorance, um, boldly step out into the world uh, to meet the 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 challenge of having free will and and being creative and uh, um, and and the opportunities that are there and the challenges and all that other stuff. The the thing about the story though is we can't disconnect ourselves from the wilderness piece because that's where we were with God. That's where we were with, um, the spirit where we were with creation. We were one with things. And so that's kind of where, uh, flipping the story on its head like that. Let's flip it back now. Um, because of how often we find ourselves in a wilderness, um, uh, of our own making in many ways, but a wilderness of, uh, not feeling connected. Right? That's our yeah. sense of wilderness is not feeling connected. <coughs> what 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 if our root story hadn't been you did something wrong and you connected your disconnected yourself from God and from nature? What if our root story had been we knew how to be connected? We knew how to be connected. We knew God. When we made a choice and stepped out into the world, we lost it somehow. How do we get it back? How do we how do we find that sense of wholeness again? 
um, is there a way to reconnect? Is there, is, I don't mean to say, I'm sorry, is there? How shall we? There is. How do we do it? Yeah. How do we, how do we reconnect with, how do we find that sense of wholeness again? Mm. And there's Jesus. And not just Jesus, but uh, all of the great figures that we, all of the great figures that we hold up and put on pedestals, you know, to distance them from us so we can admire them from afar. Take them down, embrace those things, because those are those are the people. Those are the people showing us the way all our to that wholeness. All our mentors. Let's let's actually give in and be an apprentice for once, hmm. and not try and be the person who's fixing others or having control over things or or. Uh, having power over things. What if we just gave in to being an apprentice to those people, those figures, those ideas, those um, ways of living? That 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 would I think help bring us back. Absolutely. So, is this something that you're going to also be exploring as we go through the season of Lent, through your um, through your sermons over the next few weeks? You you talked about bringing a few biblical characters into the conversation as a way of um, talking about these different wilderness experiences. And today we, we really focused on the Adam and Eve uh, biblical story. Mm-hmm. You've got a few more. I don't um, want you to, yeah, to give it all Noah, away or maybe you haven't well, decided. Well, I already have. Um, yeah? Noah. Okay. The, yeah, you, you mentioned the wilderness, that one. The wilderness of the ark. Yeah. That's right. I'm going to, I'm going to believe it or not, find a way to remind people that Noah being on the ark with his family and two of every animal was a wilderness experience in an enclosed space. Yes, that story is really about a wilderness experience. Um, and Moses, of course, and uh, and we'll wrap up with the Hebrew people because I think um, individuals are fine, but a collect- you need a collective in there somewhere. Mm, cool. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Thanks. Well, I know that all of those stories are going to be packed with the same uh, principles and, and concepts that you've started exploring through this story, which is that Jesus is at kind of the center of all of those wilderness experiences that bring us back to our true nature, back to our, our wholeness, and back to God. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to, to hearing all of them. So um, that's a good place to wrap it up for today, I think, Robin, but thanks so much for your insights as always and your unique perspective on stories that we've all heard hundreds of times but uh it's refreshing to take a new look at them thanks ben thank you everyone for listening i hope you enjoyed this uh conversation that i had with robin i got lots out of it myself and i just so appreciate you taking some time to to spend with us hopefully you enjoyed a cup of coffee yourself or maybe a nice walk out in nature while you were listening to this or whatever you're doing I hope that the rest of your day is wonderful. And until you join us next time, take care and be well.